unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my service at the Boonville Church of Christ. Uh, we are glad that you have joined us this morning. Uh, our order of worship this morning, our, our leaders, our song leader will be Brother Jordan Coates. Our opening prayer will be by Bo Gross. Scripture reading will be and uh, Drew Bruce. Uh, Brother Stephen Hodgen will have our lesson and Brother Drew Bruce will have the Lord's Supper. And then I will have announcements and a, close, a closing prayer at the end. Uh, we again want to welcome you all with us as we worship together. And I want to invite Jordan up as he leads us in song. Opening song this morning will be Beyond This Land of Parting. Beyond the sand and parting, losing and leaving, far beyond the losses, far beyond
Father, we are so thankful and blessed for the day that you've given us, Father, for the beautiful blue skies and the beauty of your creation, but especially, Father, for the opportunity to, to worship you, Father. We pray that everything we do this morning will be pleasing and accepting in your sight, giving you glory and giving you honor, Father. We pray for the ones who are hurting, those who are dealing with a virus, Father, those who are recovering from surgery for the families of lost loved ones. We pray that you would comfort them and bless them, Father. We pray that we as brothers and sisters in Christ may be there for those individuals that are hurting, we may, that we may do the things that would make their life easier, Father. Lord, we pray for this congregation here in Boonville and the church family throughout the world, Father. We pray that we may grow in number, we may grow in, in strength and grow in knowledge, Father. We pray, Father, for Brother Stephen this morning as he brings us a lesson. pray that you'll give him a ready recollection of things he's prepared. We pray that we may have open hearts and take that message, Lord, and apply it to our lives. 
Lord, we love you so very much, and we are so sorry for our shortcomings. We pray that you please forgive us of all those sins, Father. Lord, again, we thank you for all the blessings that you've given us, but especially the blessings we have through your precious Son. In his name we do humbly pray. Amen. Next song will be on Jordan's Stormy Banks. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and look at so wishful Redeemer. 
be from Galatians 6, verse 9. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Reading from the ESV. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Good morning. Thank you so very much for being a part of our worship service this morning. I appreciate those of you who have already been here, who are here, I mean, and been a part with the singing. Thank you for leading us uh, in song, Jordan. Thank you for that prayer, Bo. Thank you for uh, reading that scripture, Drew. If we do not give up. Now, you may look at that. That illustration has been uh, reproduced in a dozen different ways and different times for different reasons. And I know you look at it and you find it comical, but it's not meant to be comical this morning. You can't help but laugh when you look at it. But the idea is that particular bird makes his meal on frogs, and that frog has got that thing by the throat having no intention of being a meal. And that illustration is used in various times to illustrate or to be symbolic of not giving up. And as you think about that, as we think about that verse that Drew read to us just a moment ago, not giving up, I want, to start, I want us to introduce this lesson, if you will, with five questions. Just to think about five quick questions. First of all, what does it mean to give up? What does it mean if I give up? Well, very simply put, you're no longer trying to do what you were trying to do. Now, that may not be what's in the dictionary, but pretty much when you stop trying to do whatever it was you were trying to do, you have decided to give up. Sometimes we may be uh, feign giving up or we get frustrated and say, well, I'm doing, I I'm just doing. When in fact, we're really not because we eventually come back and get back into what it is we're supposed to be doing. But if you ever choose to, to for sure give up, then you've stopped trying to do what it is that you were trying to do. So the second question is, what is persistence? What is persistence? Very, uh, and here's a dictionary definition, to last or endure tenaciously. Endurance. And we were talking, some of us this morning, um, and I forgot what the subject was or why it came up, but we were talking about a, a dog of mine that I had many years ago, a pit bull dog named Napoleon. And Napoleon didn't like just about everybody. I don't think he liked me, but he knew I fed him. Uh, but he wouldn't bite me, or at least he never tried. But he would growl as though he were going to, and I could. In fact, this was the kind of dog that the company that brought the propane gas called me and said, we'll never come back to your house unless you guarantee he's on a chain because he tried to climb into the cab of the truck with the driver. I think he was just trying to be friendly. Uh, probably not. Uh, but when I think of tenacious, I think about that dog because he could have something and, and did on occasion that he wasn't supposed to have, and he would growl at me, and I would take his jaws and literally have to pry them open and pull that out. It would take several minutes. He wasn't going to let go. Tenaciously has the idea, it doesn't matter what you do to me. It doesn't matter what you throw at me. I'm not letting go. I'm not going to give up. So when I think about persistence, the idea of being tenacious to endure, you're going to have to take it from me because I'm not going to give it up on my own. Now, well, what about, here's the third question. This one doesn't need an answer. Is it important not to give up? Well, you know the answer to that. The answer is yes. How about a fourth question? Have you ever heard 
And I'm going to have to, uh, apparently I didn't take away all the animations on my slideshow, but now everything's out there like it's supposed to be. But have you ever heard of these people? You ever heard of Walt Disney? I know you have. Uh, most of you listening to me uh, know who Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck watched Walt Disney uh, shows on. And many of you have even been to Walt Disney World or planning to go there. Did you know that in 1919, uh, Walt Disney was fired from the uh, Kansas City Star? The managing editor fired Walt Disney because they said, and I quote, he has no imagination and no good ideas. Uh, what about Elvis Presley? Most of you know who Elvis Presley is. Uh, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, as he is dubbed by some, uh, sang, performed as a young man at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. And the concert hall manager told Presley after that performance, said, son, you might ought to go back to Memphis and drive trucks. But he didn't, and we know what happened. Will Smith... Uh, I'm sure if you don't know Will Smith, he is a, a, a pretty successful actor, wouldn't you say that? Uh, he is. But in 1989, Will Smith owed $2.8 million to the IRS. It was in some serious trouble as far as his career. In 1990, he signed with NBC and created the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and hadn't looked back since. What about Michael Jordan? Now, Michael Jordan, would you consider him a successful basketball player? Absolutely. But did you know that Michael Jordan was actually cut from his high school basketball team? Tried out for the team and didn't even make the high school team. Uh, Stephen King. Whether you like Stephen King's writings or not, he writes fiction and some pretty scary fiction if he wants to. His first novel was entitled Carrie, and there have been a couple of movies made uh, since that time. Did you know Carrie, that novel, was rejected 30 times? And in fact, Stephen King is reported to have thrown that manuscript for Carrie into the garbage can, and his wife fished it out and, and encouraged him, begged him to please submit it one more time. Uh, imagine what might have happened had he not done that. But he didn't give up is the idea. WD-40 is my favorite. I, I love to talk about it with uh, students because now most everybody in this room has sprayed WD-40 on a squeaky hinge or on a rusty nail. WD-40 has all kinds of, of, you say, what is that? It's what you use to spray on things that are rusty. Now, what you don't know, what you may not know is that the WD stands for water displacement, but the word 40, I mean the number 40, stands for 40th attempt. They failed 39 times. 39 times it didn't work. 39 times it just fell apart. But one more time in the 40th attempt. How about Harlan David Sanders? Now, you may not like KFC chicken, but you know what KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, is, don't you? You know what, who Colonel Sanders is? Twelve million people approximately eat every day in 109 countries at a Kentucky Fried Chicken. But Harlan David Sanders had his recipe for chicken, this same recipe, rejected 1,009 times before he found a restaurant that would take it. And then, as they say, the rest is history. Well, the whole point of that is, if you've heard of these people, they are an example to us as far as the material world of not giving up. As far as life on this side of eternity, here are people who made it in their fields because they're like that frog. They just would not be swallowed by failure. Well, the last question in the introduction is simply this. Is it important for us not to give up spiritually? 
Is it important for us to have that tenacious endurance? Is it for us to be like that frog when discouragement or sin or Satan or life or the world or whatever you want to put in that blank tries to swallow me that I just will not give in or give out or give up? Is it important that I am of that mindset? I want us to look at three passages of Scripture. It's easy to say, yes, we, we, we should not give up. Yes, that verse says, if we do not give up, if we do not faint, the King James says. But I want to ask three questions to go with that, and we're going to dig into three verses. Never give up. It's easy to say, don't. Have you ever heard the old saying, that's easier said than done, preacher? Sometimes it's easy to tell somebody else not to give up and to tell ourselves not to give up, but when the doing comes right down to it, it's a little harder than we thought it was. It's a little harder uh, than we maybe bargained for. But when should we not give up? Why should we not give up? And the most important question, the when and the why, we may have answered, but the how. Okay, I know when and I know why, and I certainly don't want to give up, but you tell me how. Because sometimes that's the challenge. So if you've got your Bible, I, I encourage you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11. through 11. And I want us to just read it together. And I was going to put it on the screen, but I want us to just think about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll start verse 9 and go down through verse 11. Now we're reading from the Word of God, I'm reading from the New King James, and this is what God says this morning. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now, when I dig into that verse and I look at it, I, th I can't help but think of Romans 5, 1 and 2, being, therefore being justified by faith through, uh, by faith through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. When I think about that verse and I, I think about if I am in Christ, if I've been justified, sanctified, if I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, then according to this scripture, I have access to God's grace. Now, did I notice here in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, folks, whether I like it or not, whether the world likes it or not, whether, uh, there are, whether everyone I may associate with agrees with it or not, there are some behaviors that God will never accept. There are some behaviors that I can have in my life, the Bible calls it sin, that will cause me to be out of harmony with God's Word, cause me to be out of a relationship with God, and the salvation found in Christ. Absolutely. And then, but verse 11 says, some of you were that way. There is never a condition in which I can find myself that God cannot save, that Christ will not save. If I am willing to what? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. I have to be willing to allow God to save me through His grace, Christ to wash me in His blood, through His blood. I have to be willing to come out of that and come into... So, when I think about this particular verse, when do I not give up? When sin is destroying my soul. It may be that you're listening this morning or sometime this week you, you click on this particular recording and you listen to this lesson. 
and your life has a sin in it that you know God disapproves. You know that the Bible says you cannot live this way and be God's. You cannot live this way and be right, but yet it's still destroying you. It's still pulling at you. Sometimes it's easy to give up when you just can't turn loose of something. When sin is destroying your soul, get Don't give up. But why? Because you've been washed. If I'm a child of God, I don't have to go back into that. I can be washed, sanctified, justified, pulled away from, moved out of. I can be God's through Christ. Why not give up? Why should I not give up? Because God's grace, Jesus' blood will wash me from that. But how? How? Have we ever known someone, or maybe we should say, have we ever been in our own situation, in my own life, my situation? I did well for a while. You know, I do well for a while, and then, well, let's not talk about the then. But how do I stay not giving up? How do I stay there? By being sanctified. The word sanctified has the idea, I can't help but think of John 17, 17, sanctify them through your truth, your word is truth. If I spend time in the Word of God, and it spends time in me, then I am separate from those behaviors, and I am separate from those desires, and I am separate from that mentality and that habit, and on we could go in in breaking it down into different forms. But don't give up when sin continues to uh, uh, eat at you and dig at you and pull at you. Why? Because you've been washed. But how? By being different, by being sanctified, by allowing God. I go back to Romans 5. We have access to God's grace through faith, through Jesus. Not only are we justified by faith, not only are we sanctified through the Word, not only are we washed by the blood, but we have access to God's grace. And there is nothing... When you have God's grace in the center of who you are, when God's grace is your motive and your anchor and your uh, uh, defense, then just like that old bulldog, if Satan gets you, he's going to have to tear it from you. Because God's grace gives you the power to hold on to the very end. Look with me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and let's read verses 5 through 11. This is not a long lesson, and it's not a hard one to understand. Let's read verses 5 down through verse 11. But you all, but you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And those who sleep, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain the salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also were doing. Listen to what he said. Let's go from verse 11 back up. Comfort each other and build each other up just like you're doing now that whether we sleep in death or whether we uh, live for a little while longer, it doesn't matter. We are continually doing what? Living together with Christ because it's God's plan, verse 9, that we be saved. 
God intends for you and me to be saved. God intends to be able to one day see us on the other side of the resurrection in eternity. But when you look at verses 5 through 7, don't get lost in that analogy. Don't get lost in that metaphor. He uses light and light and darkness, night and day, to represent sin, to represent salvation. But I think he goes a little deeper than that. Think about this for a moment. The idea of it, it's about a mentality. It's about a thought process. Those who get drunk get drunk at night. Those who walk in the darkness are in the night because that's what they're comfortable with. That's how they think. That's what's on their mind. That's what's in their heart. That's what motivates and guides their lives. But those who are of the daytime, they do daytime things. What do you mean? Those who are full of light, those who walk in the light, those who live in the light, they are motivated by the light. They are guided by the light. They don't do things that people do in the dark. Why? And I don't mean to be funny here because they're not in the dark. But that's what he's suggesting here. So, don't give up. When? When your heart, when your soul, when your life is dulled with sin. When temptation wears at you to the point that you just, oh... When sin discourages you, and I don't mean just sin in your own heart. What about sin in those around you? It's easy to be disappointed. I can think of a couple of situations not too far in my uh, distant memory of where uh, individuals that were, were moving toward a study of God's Word and moving toward being a part of, and then all of a sudden, they're gone. Satan interceded. Sin got the better of them. And it's just like, you, it maybe none of you listening to me in this auditorium or listening to me um, through your televisions or your Facebook have ever had this experience before, but have you ever said, you know, I prayed about this person so long. I studied with this person. I invited this person. It is, none of it worked. And I just get tired. I get tired. Sin dulls. My heart, it dulls my soul, it, it, but don't give up. Why? Because children of light behave a certain way. We behave differently. We don't think dark thoughts. Why? Because we don't live there. We don't think, uh, we don't think about doing things that are of the darkness. Why? Because we're full of light. That sounds so simple, but it's really not. It's so powerful. But how? Let's don't, how do we do How do we not give up? Notice what he said. Verse 8. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. You know, he mentioned that in Ephesians 6. But folks, he didn't just afterthought this here. The idea is, how do you not get discouraged? You know where you get discouraged? Right up here. You know where dark thoughts come? Right here. You know where thoughts of giving up come? Right here. But I put the helmet of salvation on my head. And I mentioned when I, we recorded a, another lesson this morning, and, and I mentioned something that I started trying to do. I'm not a natural uh, singer. I can imagine uh, Chris and Jordan going around singing all the time. And Bo singing all the time. That's just not me. So I have to make myself do that. Now, I go around quoting English rules, but that's another, you know, that, that, that's a sad thing altogether. <laughs> but um, someone told me one time I needed to get a social life if all I thought about was comma rules, but that's probably true. But as I thought about that, you know, that's not, and I tried something this morning, Bo, that I'd never tried before. 
Uh, I deliberately, I was thinking about this lesson, a passage in Psalm 119 that talked about the song. Your, your word is the song. And so, I, I deliberately, I went back to the days of Tishomingo and I, I sang, I want to be a worker. Couldn't remember some of the words. I rang, give me the Bi- uh, sang, give me the Bible. I sang when the roll is called up yonder because I, my daddy led those songs. And I remember your daddy leading those songs. And I remember, and you know what? I felt so much better. Praying was easier this morning. And I'm pretty sure presenting a lesson was easier this morning. You know why? Because I was full of it. I'm not trying to be funny. That's actually true. When he says, put on the helmet, salvation, when I surround my thoughts with God thoughts and Christ thoughts and heaven thoughts, that's hardly any room for anything else. Folks, that's not just good advice, that's truth. And that's what he's talking about, and that's how we don't give up. Now let's look at one other verse, and then the lesson will be yours. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12... Verses 7 through 10. Here's a a verse, a passage that we often read and discuss academically when maybe we should just listen to it. 2 Corinthians 12, let's begin with verse 7. Paul is talking about himself here. Lest and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. When I am weak, then I am strong. There is one of those ultimate paradoxes, seeming contradictions. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strongest. Paul said, I finally understood that my strength comes from God's grace. My strength comes from God. When we read this verse, we shouldn't sit around and try to talk about what we think Paul's thorn in the flesh is or was, because folks, it doesn't matter. The simple truth is, is that for whatever reason, God chose to allow something to be a part of Paul's life that Paul was uncomfortable with and would rather it not be there. And Paul prayed sincerely three times for this whatever it is to go somewhere else, go away. And God's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you because when you're weak, but you're in me, my grace makes you stronger. My strength comes, your strength rather, comes through me and from me. And Paul said, I began to understand that. And because of that, now I have the right attitude toward difficult times. Now, what do I get out of this verse? What should I get out of it? The fact that verse 9 is written, if you have a red letter Bible, every time you read it, he's talking not to the Apostle Paul, he's talking to you. Whatever it is that becomes that thorn in the flesh for you. Whatever it is that becomes that thing, that if you leave it there long enough, it's going to cause you to give up. It's that bad. Or at least up here it is. And it's bothering you enough that it's making you weaker. It's making you tired. And it's making you discouraged. God said, listen, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That's a mindset. He didn't say, God, don't read that and think God enjoys seeing you weak 
or God wants you to be weak so He can pull you up. No, that's a human ego thing. God said that it is what makes you strong is not who you are physically. It's not who you are on this side of eternity. But it is my grace that makes you who you are. Now, I don't know what was going on with Paul. But I do know what causes me to think a little higher of myself than I ought to. And God has dealt with me, and, and that's between me and God. But think about this passage. When life is difficult and you think God is not listening, I wonder if there are any children of God right now during 2020 that have had this thought. When times are tough, we think God is not listening. Don't give up. Why? Because you understand God's perspective. God's perspective is, I make you strong. My grace makes you strong. You're strong when you rely on me. Don't judge yourself based on what you think should be or what you can write on paper or see in a mirror. It doesn't matter. I make you strong. I understand God's perspective and God's purpose. But how? Through God's grace. I have learned when I first started trying to be a preacher and trying to be a Christian, I became a child of God in 1974, I think. That's a long time ago. For a long time, I thought God's grace was almost an extra thing. You know, God, God, God's grace. But I have come to realize that faith in Christ, the blood of Christ, the salvation that comes from God's power, God's grace is entwined in every one of those things. At the center of who I am supposed to be is God's grace. So don't give up when life is difficult, when you think God is not listening. Because you understand God's grace. You understand God's purpose, His perspective. And because of that grace, you have that perspective. So, as we close this lesson this morning, I, I take you back to Michael Jordan. Remember the fellow who uh, played so many basketball games and uh, there are people who wear his shoes that don't even know who he is now. Successful, right? But this quote got my attention. I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. Now, wait a minute. You're talking about the guy who won so many games and stole the ball and dunked on... Uh, mm -hmm. I missed 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games on 26 occasions. It was uh, uh, entrusted to me to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. And he said, I failed over and over and over again in life, and that's why I succeeded. Perspective. And that takes us right back to our souls in Galatians 6 and verse 9. We read it this way. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. If we faint not. See, we read the King James and, and miss that point because we think of running so far that we just give out and fall over and faint. That's not what it means at all. It means faint in heart. It means to give up. It, we will... Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Now, easy lesson. But as Christians, there are so many things that discourage us. But we mustn't give up. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, thank you for allowing us to study your word, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that you'll be with all of those of our number who are sick and those who are uh, recovering. Father, be with all of those who are listening. 
I pray that we have worshipped you in spirit and in truth. We have glorified you and praised and honored you. But that we've also listened to you. That your grace will strengthen us so that we will not give up. But we will serve you with, with tenacious endurance until we're at the end of our service on this side of eternity. Thank you for allowing us to study your truth. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Song before the Lord's Supper this morning will be When My Love to Christ Grows Weak. Matthew, they uh, come together on the first day of the week to break bread. 
So that as we do that today, on the first day of the week, I want to go turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians 11. It's the same scripture that's on your screen. It'll be 1 Corinthians 11. We'll start in verse 23. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took, took bread. And when he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This my body, which is for you, do this remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're commanded here to remember Christ as we take the Lord's Supper. But you read on to chapter uh, 27 through 29. It says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning my bo- the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and then so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body and eats and drinks judgment on himself. So as we are commanded to think back on the Lord as what he done for us, we also commanded to look at ourselves and see if we're worthy and remember that we should always take this in as our sacrifice as well as the Lord's. As we do, let's pray for the bread. And Father, thank you for staying. Thank you for everything you've given us. We want to thank you for this bread to represent your son's, blood, your son's body. They hung on the cross for our sins. May we take it well pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name pray. Amen. Let's uh, have a prayer for the cup. Heavenly Father, thank you for staying. Thank you for all your many blessings. We want to take this time to remember this cup that represents your blood that was shed on the cross. And may we may our minds go back to the cross as we take it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We also have the time here to um, give the con- contribution. There's been ways set up for you to do that. Um, let's pray for that, please. And if I think we stand, thank for all your many blessings. We thank you for our jobs, our home, and our health. And we thank for thank you for everything we have. We want to take this time to give back a portion with unselfish hearts. Just now, pray. Good morning again. I do not have many announcements. We uh, just want to say again, thank you for joining us online for our worship service. And we do want to say a special thank you to Brother Stephen Hodgen and what a blessing it is that he is a part of our congregation and the ability that he has to preach God's word. 
Uh, right now, we do not have an update on when we might return to in-person worship, so we will continue online worship for now. Uh, and please remember, I don't have a list in front of me, so uh, I don't want to leave anyone out, but we have many in our number who are sick. Uh, please keep them in your prayers and, and wish and pray for a speedy recovery uh, for all those that are are sick in our number. And I will close us with a word of prayer if you'll, bear, if you'll bow with me. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this day of worship to come together and some of us in person and all of us together online, God, and just, Lord, we lift you up and we praise you for all the many, many blessings you've given us, Father. We love you. We ask, God, that you please be with all those that are sick, be with their families, help us help them in any way that we can. God, this morning we say a special prayer for all the doctors and nurses in our community and in our country. What they've been asked to do the last several months, Lord, the countless hours they've worked, just please, God, continue to fill them with strength and courage as they, they try to Try to do their jobs on a daily basis. God, please help us do our parts to do everything we can to protect the brothers and sisters in our community that are vulnerable to disease. Help us do those little things that will keep, keep those that are vulnerable to this virus from getting really sick, God. Lord, you make it clear in your word that it teaches us over and over that you humble those that are proud and you exalt those that are humble. Please help us as your children to be humble, to speak humbly, to walk humbly. Help us be a light unto others and please help us keep our minds on things that are above. We love you, Father, and we thank you so much for all that you do for us. Please forgive us where we failed you. In Jesus' name. Amen.